Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Derek, today we're talking about visual impact and what that means for an organization and what they can do about either poor visuals or uninspiring visuals. Visuals that are part of your brand. Yep. So what impactful visuals, visual impact, um, when it comes to branding and marketing, um, visuals is pretty broad. So, but they're, they're critical in telling the story of what you do. Yeah, visuals really need to do all the things that every other piece of your brand needs to do, but some people don't think that. Some people choose preference. They let themselves make decisions based on what their taste is versus what the market needs or what their customers or clients really would be attracted to. And this is where we get this option of, not communicating or differentiating properly um, and you end up just becoming noise. Well, whether you realize it or not, and I think a lot of us do, if you think about in your own daily lives, whether you're shopping um, for personal things, whether you're vetting businesses for to help your business to work with, you inherently are passing judgment on all of those potential purchases and relationships based on what they look like. Yeah. I mean, and for that, you need to think about the two big things is being able to resonate, right? So when you walk by and you look at all those places, some of them resonate, some of them don't based on you might not be the target market for everybody. And that's okay. You're not trying to resonate with everybody. You're trying to resonate with a specific person. Yep. Um, And then two, it's authentic. It's not this, um, just super trendy. It could be, it could be anything. It could be for anyone. We're trying to get down into those visuals that really tell your story, not the story of other people. Yeah. It's really, and this isn't, this is a term that people use, um, might not be the term that creative educators use, but what we're talking about is the look and the feel of your business. Yeah, so when we're talking visuals, how about you list a couple that we're specifically talking about, those tools that we use? Um, absolutely. The first visual I think a lot of us gravitate towards is your logo. The, the mark, the symbol that goes on your business card, on your letterhead, might, maybe it's even sewn on the front of your shirt. Yeah, but it's more than that. Yeah, right? it's way I more. I mean, most people think of visuals, or most people think of branding as your logo, um, and I had a conversation with someone after work a couple of weeks ago, and they said, so what do you do? I was like, oh, I'm in branding. And they said, oh, so you design logos. And I kind of explained to them that maybe, I don't know, 10% of what we do is logos. I mean, that's just that cherry on the top of a rebrand. Um, it's just a piece of all of that. So what about some of the other visual elements that we work through? Key components of those visuals would include color, photography, what mm-hmm. type and style and point of view those photos specifically are taking are taken from. There are all kinds of components that we would put into a creative visual toolbox to help you build out your materials. So patterns, textures, badges, 
um, iconography, yeah. uh, symbols, um, all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, but it's way more than just a logo. Yeah, and most people go, well, if it's so much more than a logo, why do you, our process always, um, the first visual element that is created is that logo. It's because everything is everything is built off of that logo, right? That's that that big signifier that then trickles down into all the other elements. Yeah, the logo is the flag. The logo is the first thing. It's the it's the flag that you've staked in the ground that when done really successfully should stand for all of the things that your organization stands for and then is supported by all these other visual assets. And yeah. without these other visual assets that and especially if those visual assets aren't rooted in a deeper in a deeper meaning around what you do, um, quite likely that logo is going to fall flat. Yeah, for sure. So why why is having um, poor in in uh, poor visual impact important? Why why do we care? It's a problem if your visuals aren't impactful for a variety of reasons. First and foremost, it will it'll hurt the perception of your brand. If your visuals aren't strong, if they don't reflect what you do. Um, if they're not attractive to the audience that you're going after, whether that's an internal audience or a customer-based audience, the perception that if you aren't intentional about crafting how you want to be perceived, people will craft their own perception for you. And that quite often won't be the perception that you want them to have. Yeah. I think the best example that we talk about is the label on a box, right? If you don't have a label on your box, then people are just going to label it themselves. Um, and our opportunity with visuals, I mean, we do it with everything else, but specifically with visuals is to label that box and to make someone feel a certain way about it. And when you say the brand's perception, I mean, it can really be weakened internally and externally. I think of opportunities of clients that we've had where they roll something out and their internal audience is just so elated by it because they're like, this is us. This feels just like us. But there's opportunities or circumstances where people have rebranded in other parts of the country and they've not heard that kind of welcome. Yeah. Um, when you get into the, you know, what we would call the red flags of saying, well, how do I know if the visuals of my, of my brand, of my organization, of my marketing materials, how, how do I know that there's a problem <laughs> one of those problems is that is completely the internal side. If people internally aren't, excited about what you look like they're not excited about wearing that branded swag yeah um if you roll out a whole bunch of super cool um branded sweatshirts and you find out that nobody's wearing them um that might be a red flag yeah and if we're talking about red flags right the three the big three that come to the top of the head that first one is the the rebranded buy-in or even just branded buy-in when you launch your brand for the first time, that buy-in from internal people and external people, super important. Like I said, that, that internal feeling of, you know, love the way that we look. I'm excited. I'm proud to be doing all of these things because this feels right. That's an opportunity right there to have this unity that you didn't have before. Yeah. And the feels right piece the deeper the deeper layer behind feels right is be, and it feels right because this thing this badge on my shirt i believe that this stands for what this organization is all about that i am excited to be part of and then what about the flip side of that not not ex, not internal but externally 
when we get buy-in? What are some of the red flags that we see when it's external? Most common ones I jump to is, uh, I'm just going to say lack of sales. If you're losing out to a direct competitor in that external market, it's because they're looking at you and they're not able to figure out either A, why you're different from somebody else they're talking to, or B, they're literally not attracted to this perception that you've created. Yeah. And I think that it goes, it's definitely lack of sales is one of those symptoms that we can see and someone goes, well, we have a great product. We have a great, we have great service. We have all these other things. We just can't get those initial leads. Um, we have great return customers. We, we always have, I mean, some people have 70, 80, 90% return rate on their customers, yet they can't keep pulling in leads. And a lot of it comes down to visuals, which sounds kind of crazy at the beginning. But just the fact that you're not attractive means that there are people out there who just don't think of you as a viable option. One, the root of that oftentimes is because of the branding efforts and that branding initiative that went into that creative, it wasn't, it wasn't purposefully done with a target audience in mind. They didn't know who their target audience was or they did, but they shifted to ultimately creating that brand for themselves, for the, for the, the very styles and looks and things that, that maybe the leadership of the organization are personally attracted to in their yeah. own in their own lives. Yeah, I mean, that leads us into that third most common symptom of the visual lifespan um, of, of those creative pieces or, or you constantly see change in creative, right? Where you just redid this a couple of years ago, yep. but now we have a new leadership team in the marketing department and for some reason we're getting all new visuals. More often than not, that's because they're making decisions based on preference, not purpose. And we're getting this constant introduction to trendy visuals that aren't authentic and aren't timeless and don't stand for what we stand for yet they work in the marketplace right now i think they're part of marketing efforts part of your whole overall initiative that can be short lifespan pieces and that might be advertising or the components that you're putting out for a short term for a promotion and i'm all and Trendy things may be appropriate for, for very specific types of business, but I think for most of us, if we're going to invest in what it act in the time and the effort and the expense that it costs to building this visual system correctly, I would like that to last a decade. I agree. I, I, it's almost shocking to me when someone does a rebrand and within five years they're already out of date, then they obviously weren't in depth enough one or two they were doing things without purpose they weren't really narrowing down what their story was and discovering who they need to be and what what piece they need to be telling with their visuals but we see this all the time where someone will have um totally it's a totally fine visual brand there it's not a problem yet you'll have a marketing leader come in and say oh, i don't like that color or i don't like that type um, i'm going to switch that for no reason other than I'm not a fan of it. I used to use something else somewhere else. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, as then we move forward to solutions, how about you talk about a couple of examples that we've seen throughout our process here where someone's had a problem or what do we see when we're working with a client that they're choosing that 
preference over purpose? Like where can that really hinder um, a rebranding or branding project? The challenge of everything that we're talking about, especially I find the visual component of somebody's branding efforts, it's subjective. Um, Ultimately, we're human beings. And as human beings, we have personal preferences. And it's challenging to be able to be intentionally thoughtful about the difference between our what's right for me and my own wardrobe, for example, versus what's right for my business and will be most attractive and while being authentic, be most attractive to my target audience, whether that's prospective employees, current employees, or customers. And that personal preference sometimes will get in the way. Yeah, for so. sure. And when we, and I think about, so if we have symptoms for people who haven't started down this process, but there's almost like this in the middle of the process that we've already engaged with somebody, what is, what is a symptom? Or maybe someone's listening and they're going through this process right now and they're like, I just can't figure it out. We're having problems with this. What are one or two of those things that really stand out? Uh, that that the new logo, the new brand is never chosen, that you just work on it indefinitely <laughs> and end up finding yourself just doing anything and everything that now is starting to basically be lack meaning, lack purpose, lack reason. But now we've just gotten down to style. Yeah. It's Um, almost like the amount of concepts. Right. When you start getting into the the double digits of concepts and different areas. If your agency presents you with 30 logos instead of three, then it's quite likely that they did not include any intention, purpose, strategy or root those in meaning and then instead it just became a purely creative uh, exercise yeah and that's where we find a lot of trouble right where so if we're just throwing out creative that's where then you get to this preference where you get this like oh this is what my tastes are this is how i like to view things so i'm going to go with this logo over that logo instead it should it should almost be this presentation where every single one says, oh, yeah, I get it. That totally makes sense to me. Because up to that point, you've done all the work, laid the groundwork, had all of the objectives in place, and had been checking off at key points where it was a, it was a nice, strategic, thoughtful progression to then landing on that creative solution instead of your creative partner going away for a certain amount of time and never hear from hearing from them and then they come back to just then give you this great big reveal yeah oh so the second one that i think of all the time because we had a client that did this but when you get up to the four five six seven rounds of revision on a logo that means that we're starting to tailor based on preference yep um that means that you're starting to pick things um individuals are starting to have their opinion put in not based on um, what the customer would want to see, but what my personal preference is. And I'm going to tell you that this needs to change. We've had on occasion, we'll have a customer who has to include, and rightly so, the voices of all of the people on the team that should be involved in this process. We just have to make sure, and they have to make sure that the people that are included are able to be objective and thoughtful while giving their own personal preference opinions. Yeah. So we've talked about visual impact. We've kind of talked about the problems of not having an impactful visual system. 
and how that can hinder you in the marketplace and with all the other initiatives that you're trying to do and internally those interesting things of saying, well, when we're trying to create unity, we're trying to create buy-in. A big problem with that is that we don't, you know, we're not giving someone to be prideful of. Um, then now well, let's shift to what are some of the things that you can do to solve this or at least get down that first step of saying, let's work towards something that makes our visuals more impactful. I think the first step is to get your story straight. It's to go right to the core of what are we about? What do we stand for? What is this brand really in the business of? And that takes some work. Yeah, I mean, it's getting down to the root desires the root emotions that you're trying to convey i'm there's there's a lot of really great things we talk about when someone's story is about confidence when it's about freedom when it's about um, sustainability it could be about anything really but it's to determine what you're trying to talk about um, not just the facts and the figures but that deeper level um, that your story really needs to talk about we talk about um three things that a brand identity should successfully do. Um, it should communicate what you do. It should help you stand out amongst your competition and it should help you attract your customers. But when we go to that first one, that is communicate what you do to follow up on what you just said. It's not just what you do in that specific product or service. It's not just the features and benefits and it's not just the problems that your product might solve for your customers it's why you're in business in the first place yeah think about the meaning of a of a logo or a symbol that you might put on the side of your building or the front door of your office or wear on your shirt if that stood for that deeper thing then maybe it doesn't have to be a picture of a car because you sell cars or a picture of the widget that you sell um, it can actually take a different route and be a little bit more aspirational and hopefully longer lasting. Absolutely. The idea that you um, have visuals that really stand for something, and I'm not talking, they're not philanthropic visuals and they're not trying to solve charitable problems. They're, they're why you come to work and why, why you get up every day, why, why you want to work here versus somewhere else. I mean, everyone has so many options. You, there has to be a reason why you're here more than money. And if your visuals can have that kind of stamp, right, where you're saying they're that banner that you're flying, um, I think of flags for countries. And to say each one of those to the individual people that live there stands for something. Yep. And for us to think of someone's logo someone's visuals as their flag as their banner that helps us understand what they stand for and helps them feel like they are communicating it to the world if you think about your own example an example of a brand that you feel loyal to could be a clothing brand could be a food or beverage brand could be an automobile brand but when you think of that especially if it's one that you're passionate enough about where you would wear a hat or a t-shirt or something of theirs on your own self and become a brand advocate to where people go, Oh my gosh, look at that. You're into, you're into Jeeps. Why, yeah. why is that? What, what's an exercise or a part of that process that we do that people should be thinking about that help start crafting that external story? Yeah. So 
the first thing, like we've already talked about, is to get to the root, the root of your story. So, for example, the internal story. Yep, there might be a brand that you follow, you wear that, and someone goes, "Oh my gosh, I I can't believe that you like them too." And in their head, they're thinking, "Oh, that means you like sustainability, or you stand for this, or you stand for independence, or whatever it is." Um, and then the second thing, what you're asking right now is, so how, from a creative side, from a process side, are we going to take that story and move it forward to be able to craft something out of it? And that's with these brand attributes or brand characteristics. And we here like to take four to six, understand what are the adjectives that we need to use from a, from a strategic angle that then takes that preference it takes the subjective nature out of it and say okay if we want something to look bold and we want something to look off or athletic then we know it needs to look like this um totally taking the preference off the table yeah it it lays a a foundation or even better it puts up a north star yeah that guides now and inspires all the creative it inspires the messaging um i would go so far as to say the experience that your customers have with you in your office space on the phone over zoom in person from start all the way through the delivery of what you do should if in a perfect world if we interviewed them and we asked them to to describe that experience of you and your products and your services they would hover in or land on those five or six words. They, they would, we would hope that they would use those adjectives in describing yeah, you. Or synonyms of those mm -hmm. adjectives. Um, for us, those characteristics or those attributes are a huge step, um, not just in the visual portion, but the verbal portion too, for us to say, we want someone to read something and feel this type of way. So going back to the example, if it's bold and athletic, then the way we talk should be bold and it should be athletic which is sometimes harder to do than it sounds, but it definitely helps guide the creative from both ends. If you're creative, I'm jumping ahead to now the visual pieces and the way that we actually can execute and solve for some of these. If we're working on a brand and we know that that brand stands for confidence and they want to be perceived as bold and athletic, then that absolutely affects the colors that we start to hone in on and chew. You can actually Google, believe it or not, what does what is the color of confidence? What is the color of joy? And it will start to put you into some scientific, albeit um, surface level, scientific yeah. associations that, yeah. that have proven out that people associate certain colors with certain things. But it's a great, great guidepost in starting to choose creative things such as color and what when that leads us kind of to the next section of saying well when we're creating these things it's not just these four to six attributes or characteristics that we're working with we don't just say okay we're about confidence we want to be bold and athletic all right make creative that's just a part of the puzzle right that's just a part of that strategy and the other piece of that strategy is focusing on the research at the very 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 beginning Right, that visual research of competition, of other things in the marketplace, of not necessarily direct competitors, but indirect competitors. Who's a wallet competitor? Who who uses who speaks to our target market that isn't necessarily does what we do, but they take that same piece of the pie. 
I would even add who's who who in the market are hiring the same type of people that yeah. you're, you're you're looking to hire. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take a lot of effort to spend a little bit of time, even just simply going online, having identified who these uh, competitors are, yeah. and to get a pretty good understanding of what they look like, what colors are they. Um, you know, one of the key tenets that we talk about here is differentiation of being unique in what it is that you uh, how you are positioned and what it is you offer and a, and a key companion part of that is by being distinct and for you to stand out in that crowd of competition for you to look authentically like yourself it's going to be hard to do that if you inadvertently pick a brand color that's exactly the same as everybody else yeah so to your point earlier to say oh well we want to be um, we want to stand for joy that's what we stand for our story is all about joy all about happiness and you go and you look on you know search what is what's the color of joy and you'll come up with let's say yellow and you see okay yellow that's great but all your competitors are also yellow or orange or a shade of those and you go back and you go okay Nope, joy's yellow, so we got to go forward with this. That that's where we get this. Like it's not so cut and dry, right? It's not like here are the six attributes; those equal creative. It's like here are the six attributes that should guide you as you use all of your research and all of your knowledge and all of the things that you've learned through this whole process to say, okay, what is right? And I think color is just a great example because it's so subjective. It's probably the most subjective thing that we deal with, right? Yep. There's so many different people who like certain colors or this color or that color. Maybe you have a whole team of people that are on this and each person likes a certain color. That makes it really hard to be making decisions. And then when you roll it out to the entire organization, people start becoming disappointed because there's no real reason for that color right. other than we like it. Right. It's like, how do we how do we get something where it's a we are this color because of this. Right. And every single time that we've gotten to that point, the organization is, yep, that makes sense. It becomes because we did it on purpose. Because we stand for X and X is the color of that versus mm -hmm. because our CEO likes that color. So a question that I could see someone having is, okay, so if I'm not allowed to be trendy, I can't use any trends in creative, is that not the case? What I, would you say to that? I, I would say it depends on what you're trying to do. What are you trying to do? What do you stand for? What is your product? What specific marketplace are you in? Are you selling a trendy product? And try to find the balance between doing something, like if one of your brand attributes is contemporary or forward-thinking yeah. or, or innovative yeah. then or cutting edge, then that absolutely will affect what that creative product comes out. If, if your brand attributes are vintage, um, timeless, <laughs> yeah. and classic, then you can see how some of these words start to evoke certain sentiments that will translate into creative. I, I would absolutely give people a green light to look at trends, be aware of trends, and to use them when they work. But as long as you can find the trends that make sense with your story, and if that tells your story better than your current stuff, then I would say, yeah, go for it. But to your point, these visual pieces of your brand should be 
foundational. These, these should not be changed every three years. They should be utilized and grown, um, but they should not be completely replaced. So you had an example earlier to say some of this trendy stuff can be used for advertising 100%. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but as long as it maintains that same perception, maintains those same rules, you're not just throwing trends out just to be trendy. Well, those tactical, the tactical ways in which you execute your marketing and your advertising, um, that can change and pivot all the time with much less investment than going all the way back to the core and the foundation of your brand and what your brand looks like and reinventing that. You can do a new ad campaign in a matter of days or weeks, but if it takes months and months to put that brand foundation in place, like I said, we want that to last for a decade or more, but an ads might only be as effective for as long as it's running on the air or on the radio. Yeah. Um, the brand should stay relevant even if in 10 years you tweak it yeah. or refine it to reflect the times that have changed, like Pepsi continues to do Absolutely. and Starbucks continues yeah. to do, to make sure that they're not stuck in the old ways and time hasn't passed them by so that they can still stay relevant. That's And that's because people change too, right? Preferences change. I mean, your customer's preference is going to change over time, and that's just the nature of the world that we live in. Everything changes so much. But... But when we're talking about foundational pieces is refining and growing is totally different than rebuilding and completely replacing. Yep. So if there's one thing that I think that everyone should be taking out of this conversation, it's purpose over preference. Absolutely. Every time. And if you do purpose over preference, you will not be disappointed with the results, the business results that you get from that. One of the smartest customers that we've worked with who ended up becoming incredibly successful reviewed some of the creative that we were presenting to them around the brand and what it looked like. And that person said, I personally don't like this. I would never wear this myself. This isn't for me, but I completely recognize and understand that I'm not even close to being in the target audience. And I think this is absolutely on the mark for the people that we are trying to talk to. Yeah. And And that was, that's brave. And that's the goal that every marketing leader should have is to get to that point, or even just organization leader, yep. is to understand that sometimes your preferences aren't top of the totem pole. Yep. Perfect. Right. Pur- purpose over preference. Yep. All right. Until next time. See ya. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark guiding marketing leaders who are working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more on Susner, visit susner.com.